This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's a love story. It's a family story. It's a story of lavish parties and lively conversation. It's the story of a haven for painters, poets, and intellectuals. A story of steamer crossings and priceless works of art. Of innovation and obsession. Of endless gardens, lush forests, and rolling meadows. It's a story of 1,000 men and the six years they spent creating America's largest home with 250 magnificent rooms each with its own stories to tell. But all this can't even begin to tell the full story of Biltmore. Come walk in the footsteps of the Vanderbilt family and discover something magnificent around every corner, from the most minute detail to larger-than-life grandeur. Because as wondrous as the story of Biltmore may be, it can never be complete without you. Plan your stay at Biltmore.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. Pre-season is underway with two games in one day on Tuesday, which saw the squad split in half to score nine goals against Ipswich and Wickham. Is pre-season purely about fitness, or are there going to be some youngsters and fringe players that will be making a push for the Gaffers starting eleven next month? X will be giving us his weekly roundup before we end the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. I'm sure this will be in your section, but let's talk about it now. Ryan Fredericks, Issa Diop, Robert Snodgrass, Declan Rice and Lucas Fabianski didn't feature for either side that we put out on Tuesday. Why was that? 
um, for a numerous, numerous reasons. Um, as I said on previous shows, probably best not to talk about some of them, but all I can say is that um, Snodgrass had a, um, a minor niggle. He's back. Fredericks and Rice are back in training now. Um, Ogbonna, who was the other one? Sorry, Diop. Ogbonna. No, he played, didn't they? Um, yeah, he played. Yeah, Diop. Uh, Fabianski. Fabianski. They're all, they're all, none of them are serious injuries. They're all due back, as I say, Rice, Fredericks, Snodgrass. Um, they're all, um, things that are solved now um and snodgrass was like a niggly injury but he's fine so yeah i don't think it's anything to worry about right so just just minors nothing of any concern good stuff well let's look at the teams that did play because obviously we played two games in one day but split the squad in half the team that played against Ipswich was randolph coventry creswell balbuena alessi suchek yarmolenko anderson halea wilshire and dean garner that was a starting 11 and the team against Wickham was Martin, Lanzini, Baptiste, Noble, Bowen, Fornells, Bonner, Mazuaku, Antonio, Johnson and Cullen. Firstly, just for fun, if those two teams were to play each other, who do you think would win? It's a really good question because the teams were deliberately chosen that way to be reasonably 50-50. Yeah. Like to give both teams as strong as possible. Um, so you obviously picked a... Um, like the manager picked a, a strong defender in one and, an, and another, strong winger in one and another. Obviously, Antonio was the forward for one. Hilaire was the forward for the other. Mm. Um, looking at the teams, I think it would be very, very close because I can see strengths and weaknesses of both. But I think looking again, I would actually say the Wickham team slightly stronger. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So would you go with Ipswich then? And my gut feeling was the Ipswich team. But uh, then... See, I could justify it like this. That I think if you if you're gonna pick a keeper out of Randolph and Martin, by definition, Randolph is ahead of Martin, yeah. right? So, so that probably puts Ipswich at one nil. The Ipswich team at one nil. Then you go right back. Um, I actually can't remember. Oh no, of course I can. So you have got Johnson or Coventry now. Apparently, Coventry played brilliantly um, for um, against uh, Ipswich. Never played right back as before as far as I know was asked by the manager to cover out there and apparently played really really well which I think is great because his natural position is obviously midfield Mm. if he can cover it right back and do well well that gives him more strings to his bow to be a potential squad player next season Mm. however no disrespect to Coventry it isn't his best position Johnson's proven in the Premier League that he can play at right back. So, so I think you go Johnson over Coventry for right back. So that puts it one all between yeah. it's yeah. and, and Wickham. And, and and then you go for centre backs. Um so you've got Balbuena for the Ipswich team, or you've got Ogbonna. Well, everyone's gonna go Ogbonna, aren't they? Yeah. So that's two one to the Wickham team, and then you've got Aless for Ipswich and Baptiste for Wickham now both are youngsters both are highly rated both are very 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 good players however Baptiste is a couple of years younger and already probably performing at near enough the same level Mm. so I think that goes again in his favour making it 3-1 to uh, the Wickham team then you look at left back you've got Cresswell against Ipswich and you've um, I didn't actually watch the games if I'm honest I was at work but, yeah um, no I didn't I'm assuming Mazuraki was the left back um, in the other team mm. 
that's debatable. Yep. That one, that's very, very debatable. Because, as we've said on this show a number of times, I don't think we think Masaraka is a left back. But mm. then, Cresswell hasn't been performing. Mm. Probably would just give that to Cresswell. Mm. Probably, mm. if I had to choose left back to them. So what does that make it now? 3-2. Three, 3-2. Two. Three, two. Um, then you go to midfield. So then you've got, say, defensive midfielder maybe. You've got, or well, let's go, let's go Suchek versus... Noble. Noble, yeah. I'll let you answer that one first. You go with Suchek, <laughs> don't you? I think you do. I think you do, all day long, if I'm honest. So then you've got, so that's three all. Then you've got Wilshire versus Cullen. Now, on ability, you mm. go Wilshire. Mm. But if you're going to have one of those players for the rest of the season. Well, we're talking about if they played against each other, though. Because obviously, assuming Wilshire is fit, and he was obviously fit enough to start, and those two teams played against each other, I think you'd take Wilshire over Cullen, surely. Okay, probably. Let's be honest, everyone wants Josh to do well, but he hasn't pulled up any trees during his time at West Ham at all, has he? No, no. And, And I'm not saying Jack has, but if Jack Wilshire is fit, God forbid... And he's playing in a game against Josh. I think he's playing better than Josh. Okay, so that goes 4-3 to Ipswich. Yeah. Then, um, then, so that's just sort of your other midfielder. And then you've probably got, what, look at these teams now. If you're looking on the, maybe on the wings. So you've got Yarmolenko versus Bowen. Yeah, I think you've got to go Bowen now. Yeah. Bowen, don't you? So mm. that makes it 4 all. And then, if you're going to the other wing, I'm looking at the two teams to try and work it out. For now, as I think, played on the left for the Wickham team. And it would have been, what, Dean Garner, I think, for the other one? Or Anderson. Yeah, which one of them was going to be the attacking central one out of those? Yeah, I mate, think probably yeah. Anderson was. I'm guessing Dean Garner was on the wing. And so, Dean Garner, Garner on the wing versus For Now's. Uh, probably full nows at this stage. I think if I was to pick a winger out of those two, I'd pick Dean Garner. Yeah, because oh. full nows isn't a winger no, for me. No, exactly. And this is what I mean. I don't like the fact he keeps getting played there. No. Um, but then for nows has proven he can do it in the Premier League on a consistent basis. I know he hasn't. Does he? Well, maybe not. He's proven <laughs> he can play he, he, good games yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, He's given us moments, yeah. some glimpses of what he can be. Yeah, and Dean Garner kind of did that at the start, but hasn't obviously been doing his stuff in the Championship, and we're all assuming that means he's going to be class in the Premier League. But mm. I think he will do well, but it's debatable. Mm. So probably... It's very hard, actually, because I think I'd actually pick Dean Garner over four nows for a wing position. But actually, in terms of value going forward, is for nows more valuable than Dean Garner? Mm, remember, we're only that. talking about a one-off game here. I think I'd rather Dean Garner on the wing than for nows. Yeah. So that's no, I, I, yeah, it's fine. That hard to so, argue with. So we're kind of going opposite ways on this now. So. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm on the fence a little bit with that one. I think that's a tough one, but I think it does make it 5 4 to the Ipswich team as it stands. Yeah, so I'm going to literally lose, aren't I? And then I was the one well. that said that. <laughs> um, and then uh, you've got some attacking midfielder. I guess the alternative is either Anderson or um, Lanzini. Uh, look at God, those two blimey. Teams. 
see, I think Lanzini's shot to yeah. shit. I don't think we'll ever see the best out of him again. Granted, I think he scored on Tuesday quite a decent uh, goal he's been as well. Playing very well, yeah. Um, and you could argue, whilst I re- I'm reluctant to believe it, you could argue there might still be something in the tank with Anderson. And maybe we'll see that again. Maybe we'll reignite that flame again next season. If both of them are at the very, very, very top of their game, and let's assume they both are when they play against each other in this fictionary game, uh, I think you'd go Anderson. Yeah, possibly. Although I think if you judge it on what actually happened, I think Lanzini apparently played really well. Mm. I'm not sure Anderson did. Yeah, no, I didn't hear any talk about Anderson. Tough, isn't it? It's so yeah, but you're right. It, it's it's almost been strategically almost, planned to make it very very even. Yeah, and then depending on what you believe or want, your option is Alaire or Antonio. I would always go Antonio. Mm. You'd probably go Alaire. Uh, yeah, so, I think I would. So I think then, I would. So then that makes it basically there are there about yeah, seven six. Much, I think that yeah, makes seven, it. Six, six, seven, it's six, very six, close. Six. Very close. So you look at the subs bench. They're both very young subspensions. So it's yeah. really hard to pick between the two, apart from Ipswich and Roberto. That's I don't even know most of them are. How bad is that? Yeah, well, Cardoza is that. Portugal I know who he is. He's never played, basically. Yep. Lewis is Alfie Lewis, a young midfielder. Mm. He's um, meant to be quite highly rated. Dan Kemp, we interviewed him yeah, on the show. Yeah, I know Dan, He's yeah. for England under 20s. Yeah, Odubeko, never uh, heard of him new, before. He's the forward, I think, that we signed from... Man United, I mean, he's a highly rated, quite right. a regular goal scorer. And then you look on the other bench, and Nang yep. is Ghanaian. Um, he's I think he played for England now, but I think his sort of heritage is in Ghana. In Ghana. Akinola is a centre-back. Um, a, a dark one, I'm not entirely sure on him. Um, Longello, I think, think is a winger. Silver's obviously... Mm-hmm. Um, that Portuguese forward, Alexander Silva, and Rossa is a Brazilian sort of attacking midfielder, I'm pretty sure. But the fact that the Ipswich team has Roberto should automatically make it lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, certainly exactly. if he started, it would. That's right. It's, it's very, very close. Um, but I think if you like, so the thing is, as I say, if you're going on form, the Wickham team's got Antonio and he's banging form. Yeah. And then actually, Alaire scored a hat trick. Yeah. I know. Game, so. I know. So yeah, it's very uh, true. It's, it's very, it's very, very even split. That's yeah, right. yeah, very even. One player that you've mentioned in the past as one to watch is now the same player that I'm hearing about more and more, and that is Jamal Baptiste. Yeah. Uh, I believe that he's still only 16. Yeah. 17 in November. Yeah. I think uh, he's described as tall, strong, and comfortable on the ball uh, and after the game on Tuesday Angelo was very complimentary towards him could he be the next big thing to come out of the academy I mean there's a lot of good prospects at the academy now I don't want to be sound like I'm saying this to back the board's tightness up because I'm not at all because I'm infuriated by the fact that we have no money and I don't understand why we have no money however if I take those feelings out of it and I look at the strength of the academy there is a strong argument that we don't necessarily have to sign that many players. Mm. And I'm not saying I believe that, but you think Dean Garner is a, is going to be a really useful winging, wing addition. So in theory, do we need SA or the mm. Brentford fella? Because we've got Dean Garner back. You could argue that Coventry replaces Sanchez. So that's another one that you could say is fine. You could argue that Baptiste or... Um, uh, so I have to remember that there's so many A's in the academy uh, that uh, Baptiste or Aless 
um, are the at least are decent centre back options. So you've got Johnson at right back. The only position really for me when you uh is forward and left back. Mm, really mm. because I think Baptiste is really really highly rated I mean there's a few players in that squad that didn't even feature like Dan Chesters who's very good um, Diallo is very good um, so there are other academy players too um, so there is a strong strong argument the academy is very strong and we don't necessarily have to buy mm. even look at the keepers you know we've got Nang and Trot mm, you know mm. you could argue that it's fine not to buy anyone but I don't argue that because I think the only reason we're not is because the board's tight, not because they think these academy players... Do you know, I think it's so difficult though, X, because with these academy players, you can be ripping it up left, right and centre, but it's a different world from Premier League football. And it just seems like with West Ham, probably every club in the Premier League, because it's such a high level, you don't get many opportunities. You know, you could be ripping it up and then suddenly you get that tap on the shoulder, right, son, you're in on Saturday... You're starting, good luck. And if you have a howler, there's every chance we might not ever see you again. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have a stormer. You've got to hit the ground running. The pressure is unbelievable, which is why I take my hats off to the likes of Declan Rice and Gakia when he was yeah. here. He was doing well. Johnson, I think, has done very well. I just don't think you can underestimate the pressure that are on the shoulders of these boys coming well, I through. I actually think this academy is teams the best, one of the best teams we've had in years since I can remember. Yeah. There was always that talk of George Monker was one, wasn't he? Elliot Lee was yeah. another. Yeah. Um, uh, who was around that time? Dan Potts, um, Pele Ruddock. Um, there's a few of those players of that kind of that that sort of um, time, and people were always talking about how they were the next thing. Mm. I never felt like that when I watched them. I just mm. thought they were overhyped. These lot, I genuinely feel, are actually very good players. You know, Nathan Holland's another. Mm. He has to try not to be so injury prone. I know he mm. can't help it, but that's something that's holding him back at the moment. But there are a number of talented players there that could really break through. We signed an American a year or so ago, a midfielder. Um, I should have researched his name before I didn't know I was going to say this. I can't actually remember his name. I I was on the one that broke. He was joining, but I've forgotten his name. He's meant to be really, really good as well. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of them coming through. There's the Hungarian keeper who I talked about on last week's show who's very highly rated. In fact, maybe we've so, got more keepers in the zoo. No, no, yeah. <laughs> How many keepers have we got? Yeah. But the thing is, it does remain to be seen because you know, I feel split when I, when I hear about the academy players because on the one hand, I get excited by how well they're doing, how well they're touted to do. But on the other end, I kind of get a bit pissed off as well because, you know, when these players get built up and and they're on the bench and they come on or they start, there's so many of them that you see once after believing so much hype and then you never see them again. It's such a fine line between success and failure when you come from, say, under-23 level, which is a different world, to Premier League football. But then on the flip side, what is the point of having an academy if you're not going to give your best boys a chance? And if you are going to give your best boys a chance, why are you looking to make new signings? Because let's go back on to Dean Garner for a second, right? He had a really good season in the Championship last year. Couldn't have done much more, in fairness to him. And when you look at the fact that we're trying to sign young attacking wingers who had a really good season in the Championship last year... Are we blinkered to the fact that we've probably already got one in Grady? Yeah. What message 
does that send to Grady if rather than put your arm around him and say, Grady, you smashed it last year in the championship, can't wait to have you on board, part of the squad, you will be playing football. Instead of that, Grady's picking up papers or looking at your Twitter account maybe and seeing that we're looking at the likes of Ezra or Benarima. Yeah. I think what, I, what 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 does that mean for Grady? I agree. I think I think Grady needs to be played as a first team player now because you're right. I mean, if you send these players out on loan, say smash it in the pre, in the championship, you'll get your chance at us, and then you don't. That that sends out a terrible message. He played as one of West Brom's best players in a promotion winning team, yeah. so he has to be given a chance. He played well against Ipswich by the looks of it. He set up a couple of goals. Um, I think Grady could be a big player for us. The thing is, as well, had Ngakia, for example, not got his chance against Liverpool mm. um, and played those four games, many fans would never have heard of him. Mm. And now, obviously, we like he screwed us over and went to Watford, but he, well, he's, the argument is that he screwed us over. You could argue we didn't offer him enough, whatever way you want to go. Um, now, now that he played those four games, he's now already a semi-established player now so you're right you need those opportunities but I think there's players in that academy that should be given a chance you know and maybe we don't need to sign anyone maybe I'm not helping the board out there I'm trying to praise the academy players but maybe we don't I, I think we need a new left back I think you probably do need a new experienced centre back because it's very risky to throw a 16 17 year old in like yeah, that of course it is. and i think we need another forward definitely yeah. but I, I agree the need to sign someone like as as much as i think that would be a good signing and i think he'll do well for palace i really do um i not that bothered by it because i think we've got grady had we not mm. got him. And I actually think the wing position is probably our strongest position because mm. we've got Bowen, we've got Yarmolenko, Fornells plays there, Grady now, um, Antonio is a natural winger. You know, you've got Holland if you need to. Mm. You know, I, I, I think that uh, Anderson, I don't know if I said him, he can play there. So I, I think the academy could give us some options, yeah. It could do, yeah. On a forward situation, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got your marquee forty-five million pound signing. You've got Mikel Antonio that can play there and actually got us out the ship by playing there towards the end of last season. And then you've got Silva, who's been ripping it up, and maybe he's your 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 joker card in terms of a player that can come in if required or even make substitute appearances. Either way, surely at some point he has made enough of an impact at his level when in training to get that opportunity. But when West Ham are only playing one up front, how many strikers do you need is the first question. The second question is, when you have your £45 million marquee signing and a decent alternative, or even preference, some would argue, in Antonio, what sort of a player are you looking to sign? You know, because are you looking for a shoot for the stars well-beating striker? Because if you are, then you're going to say goodbye to Hilaire because, you know, he ain't going to sit on the bench for the rest of his life. Or are you looking for a bit of a championship underdog to come in? And also, if he does, 
Does Silva then slip to fourth in the pecking order? And again, what message does that send to him and the rest of the academy players if he's slipping down the pecking order without even getting a chance? I think you need a, a third forward. I think you have Antonio, you have Allaire, but we all know Antonio's hamstring situation. His hamstrings are going to go at some point and he's going to be out for three months. It's inevitable. And then you're going to be left with Allaire, who... By the looks of it, put played well against Ipswich, so hopefully he can continue and transfer this into the new season. But you have got a forward where there are question marks. Um, then you've got Silva, who apparently has done well in training, but you know didn't really get a chance in those games. And whether he will against Brent um, Ford on Saturday, that we shall see. But I think you need it. You well, the way I would do it if I was a manager playing up one up front. I don't have my. I'd have Hilaire and Antonio. I'd have a, a young player, either Silva or maybe get a young forward from somewhere that potentially could develop. And then I would get another forward that is proven, even on maybe even on loan, just so that you have that alternative option. Because I do worry that if you go into the season with technically just Antonio and Hilaire, that something will happen because if either of those get injured mm. then what you know you, you could put silver in but does he trust him enough i don't know can any of our other players play up front you could argue maybe yarmolenko possibly you could argue possibly anderson but i don't think so i wouldn't feel comfortable with that yeah. i think you do need at least three forwards yeah yeah it's just that type of forward, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think Tottenham has struggled for years yeah. to get the when secondary forward. Because injured, yeah. you know, if you join Tottenham, you're never going to start if Harry Kane's fit. No. And I just wonder, from the board's perspective, they've spent £45 million on Hilaire. How much are they going to want to spend on a player who arguably isn't going to start? Or maybe he is, and then that forces their answer to say, well, look, maybe we cut our losses after one season with Hilaire and sell him. problem with Hilaire... No matter what people say, is you will not get forty five million for him now. Mm. A because of the market, and B any potential player, any potential club that's going to sign him isn't going to do what some West Ham fans say and go, oh, okay, he is still a forty five million forward. He just hasn't had the service that yeah, um, no, of course he needs. Not. They're going to go in and say, look, yeah. he scored seven goals or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we'll give you thirty for him or whatever. Yeah. You're never going to get your money back on him now. No. So you don't I I don't think West Ham should sell him now unless a decent offer if 45 million did come in for him which it won't but if it did I'd accept it for 30 million I'd stick with him I'd at least give him another year to try and prove whether he is this forward or not and if he doesn't then you have to cut your losses again mm. again I think another awkward situation that we're faced with is you know I believe to get the best out of a striker he needs two things he needs service which we've spoke about plenty of times in this podcast but my point now is game time mm. and you're quite right about Mickey he is prone to a pull up is he going to be a man who plays 38 games in the Premier League for 90 minutes week in week out next season what fitness wise no. well, look, fitness wise so then in that case do you hedge your bets and play a younger model in Hilaire and have Antonio as more of a contributor more of an impact substitute who in the 70th minute can come on and run def- defenders ragged and actually back Hilaire to start for you week in, week out. Or do you do the opposite? But then when you're playing Hilaire, you're only giving him a bit part role and then questioning why he isn't scoring goals when he's only playing 10 minutes a week. I just think at the moment, 
because of what Antonio did towards the end of the season, I just don't see how you can change what was going so well. So what happens? What happens if in the next three games Hilaire scores six goals and Antonio doesn't score? Does he start because of what he's done in pre-season against a lesser team? Or does Antonio start for what he did at a very high level two months previous? That's a very good question, to be honest with you. And I I wouldn't think there's a 100% definite answer. Um, My theory when it comes to pre-season games is that they don't count for much. Um, In the sense that, yes, they're good for fitness and building up a bit of confidence and getting players used to each other and so on, but you can't judge anything by its results. As I always refer back to, we were unbeatable in Avram Grant's pre-season, smashing top German teams, yep. playing brilliantly, and then we got relegated and were terrible. Um, some players played brilliantly in pre-season. You know, Josh Cullen, for example, when we played Juventus in the first game at London Stadium, yeah, I well thought he was the best player against one of the best teams in the world. Yep. Yeah he did nothing after mm, that really mm. so I find it very hard to judge pre-season you know I saw people tweeting look you give a lad a service and look what happens okay but you are playing Ipswich you're playing um, in a friendly where people don't really care that much um, it's, not, it's a whole different pace to it maybe in a friendly game I'm going to get stick for this, but going on how I see Hilaire's mentality, maybe that sort of game is more suited to him. You know, it's sort of <laughs> a game where it's you know nice atmosphere. Um, there's uh, you know there's not much, there's not the pressure. You know, you've got you've got your chance to go out there and do your thing. Maybe without that pressure, that's why he performed how he did. But I'm not going to take that away from him because he did score a hat trick and there were some decent finishes. So I hope next season he is he is um, performing to the level we want him to. However, given the selection uh, at the moment, I would think I would have to go with Antonio just because of what he did at the end of next season, last season. And even if he doesn't score once in pre-season and Alaire does you can't take that away from him. He got player of the month. I think he did at least nominated for it. Mm, you nominated, know, yeah. Um, well, maybe he, he did. I don't, I I don't can't know. Remember I can't now, remember but you, and he was, there's was talk about him getting called up to the England team to then start the season and say, actually, mate, you did well, but they give it to a layer. I don't think that would be in Antonio's interest. Also, one thing that's going to work in our favor of Antonio is that he's playing for a new deal. Now, he's at the age, what is he, 30? So his next contract is absolutely crucial Mm. to him. So he needs, realistically, to get himself, at a minimum, I would say, a three-year deal. Ideally, he's going to be looking for a four, possibly five, Mm. to do a Winston Reid, for example, and and tie himself up to pretty much the end of his career. So he's going to want to perform because they don't tend to do contract renewals until Christmas time. Mm. So those first few months, he's going to want to absolutely bang them in. So that further increases my um, persuasion to start with him. Mm. Yeah, no, there's logic to that for sure. So you're saying, in your opinion, pre-season is, is all about fitness. Yeah. Which I think is, uh, is... I'm not saying I disagree with that, but like sending a player out on loan him smashing it, then coming back and not getting an opportunity. 
I think it sort of defeats the object and wastes a good opportunity as well. Because I think pre-season should also be about having a look at your players and seeing who wants it. You know, whilst it's only a friendly, you can see their mentality. Who's come back fitter? Who's come back in good shape? Who really wants to compete for a first-team place? Because otherwise, what is the point in Masuaku playing? What is the point of Lanzini playing? Match fitness. Yeah, but they're not going to play. Match fitness for what? Yeah, I mean, there is, obviously there is an element of they want to show the manager what they can do, particularly young players, I think. Like the, you know, I think the fact that Coventry played at right back, um, as I say, out of position, but still did a good job. I think that'll probably do him some favours because mm. Moyes thinks, right, well, the guy was prepared to play out of position for me. He's never played there before. I stuck him in at right back and he did a decent job for me. That's going to work in his favour, isn't it? Regardless mm. of the stature of the game. Um, however, you know... You know, say West Ham signed Messi, for example. You know, all the jokes that are on Twitter. But let's just say randomly it happened and he was in pre-season and he was, you know, fairly average in pre-season. You're still starting Messi in the mm. in September. So whilst I agree, there needs to be an element of, like if it was between Creswell and Masaraku, say for the left-back position, and, you know, you weren't really sure. But then over pre-season, Masaraku smashed it at left back and Cresswell didn't, you might go, right, yeah, okay, I'm going to go with Maserati because I wasn't quite sure. But when Antonio's done what he's done, he's in the Premier League. So he's proven he can do it at the level you want him to do it. Mm. If you then suddenly go, ah, he didn't score in pre-season against Wickham, yeah, he didn't score against Ipswich or whoever, he didn't score against um, whoever else we're playing, I'm not going to start you. I'd be mega pissed off if that was me. But then at the same time, I think I'd be pissed off if I was Hilaire that I've been, well, I say I've been banging him in. I've got a trick in one game. Who knows what he'll do for the rest of the yeah. pre-season. But Antonio did do very well, but two months ago. We're not talking about should Antonio start Saturday after performing so well last week and the week before and the week before. There has been a um, a regrouping now. There has been a break. There has been a kind of time to put weight on, lose weight, get sharp. You know, psychologically, how, how much do you want to compete? So, uh, do you know, I actually find it quite difficult and I don't know if it's because I'm so desperate to see Hilaire do well when I see something in him that tells me he is good enough to do well at West Ham. I find it hard not to start him against Newcastle. I, I think that you start with Antonio and you have Hilaire on the bench and then it depends how things are going. If they're not going well, you bring Hilaire on. You then try Antonio again up front against... It's Arsenal, isn't it? The second game. Again, if it doesn't work for Antonio, then you bring Alari. But then if you don't... I'm going to choose my words carefully now. Forgive me. But if, I can't think of a, an alternative. If you don't rate Hilaire, mm. then what are you going to expect him to do when he comes on? Why not start him? And if it isn't going well, bring on a man that you know can do something in the game. Because you've always got to try and pick your best team in a team that's going to win a game. And I think if you're picking Antonio, you're picking him because you think he's going to score goals. Ideally, yes, you want Allaire to be the £45 million forward that we all hope he'll be. But if that... If Antonio plays up front and scores 25 goals and Alaire scores two, but Antonio scores 25 and we do really well in the league, 
to be fair, I don't really give a shit about Alaire because I've got my mm. forward that's scoring me the goals. I don't care who the forward is that's scoring the goals. I don't care if it's Alaire, Antonio, me, your dog, whoever. But I want someone to score 25 goals for West Ham. Teddy is available, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. Got a bit of pace on him. Yeah, yeah, can do. Yeah, can do. He's a bit of a nipper in the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's dogged, mate. Yeah, he's dogged exactly. in the tackle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's been a bit rough at the moment. <laughs> uh, so um, I have to give him a corona test, I think. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I do take your point. I do take your point. Um, I mean, I, I, see, I don't believe Antonio is... I mean, look, he got us out of a hole and he can be magnificent at times, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he is your consistent week-in, week-out goal-scoring threat. No, now, I don't. I'm not no, convinced I mean, he either. was, unbelievably, for the last six weeks of the season. But, I mean... <sighs> He probably misses as many as he scores. Yeah. And, and these are chances. I've looked at chances he's missed, Antonio. And I thought, do you know what? I think Allaire's scoring that. Exactly. You could then argue Allaire wouldn't have scored the goals that yeah, Antonio see, did. I think the difference between the two of them is, if I'm honest with you, I think Allaire's technically better than Antonio yeah. in terms of control, probably in terms of finishing, certainly of his right foot. I think I think Allaire's weak on his left, but on his right, I think he's probably a better finisher. He's probably better finesse, probably better composure, probably better in the air, maybe. Probably better at holding the ball up, yeah. I mean, Antonio's better at instinct things where he's not thinking about it. He's pacey, he's powerful. He gives a more direct style. He works mm. harder than Alaire. I don't think, technically, Antonio is a forward. However, like I said, he's scoring goals. And you can't argue you want your forward to score goals. He scored, scored four against Norwich. You know, like... It don't care if it comes off his knee and bobbles three times when it should have been a clean strike. Mm. As long as he gets that ball in the net, mm. oh, that's all I'm more. looking for. So I more. think the fact that he's proven that he can score goals in the Premier, you have to give him a couple of games to see if he can continue with it. And if he doesn't, then you say, "Look, Mickey, look, you've done well for us. Cheers, mate. Maybe we'll put you back on the wing. Maybe we'll give you another go up front. But we're going to give Sebastian a go now, mm. and you try to get someone on form. I really do hope Sebastian are there." does well for us I really really do because never in my life have I envisaged West Ham would spend that much on one forward for him to then not really do what I thought he would do so I hope he turns it around I really do mm. um, but he's an idea why don't you play them both together it seems logical to me that the two biggest arguments you have of your formation now is who to play up front when the answer could be two or we constantly talk about our biggest weakness in our formation currently is our fullbacks. So then play free at the back yeah. and and play wingbacks. See, I would like to see more of Mazuaku. I've always actually quite liked Mazuaku, but not as a left back. I think he's pacey, he's skillful, he can score and create goals. I think, you know, in terms of his crossing ability, I think I've seen more crosses from him than I've done from most of our other wingers. I think there's still light at the end of the tunnel for him if you play him in the right way and as a left wing back I think there's potential in it there for him mm. Ryan Fredericks as a right wing back Johnson. there's, there's yeah, Johnson mm-hmm. but you know if you humour me for a second on the 3-5-2 you know Ryan Fredericks there's a question mark over him defensively there's actually more of a call that he is better going forward than he is coming back and Ryan is fucking rapid yeah. I mean he's so quick <coughs> you start to look then at a solid defensive back three with wing backs with that pace, with that solidarity in the middle of the park, and then that gives you the two up front. 
I think that could be a formation that works. Yeah. But but you could rather play than, Bowen as the attacking midfielder. You, as well. you, you could do, yeah. Mm. You could do. Mm. But I don't know what it is. For some reason we still seem hell bent on playing a system that doesn't necessarily work for the players that we've got. Mm. And the players that we've got, we're playing week in, week out, either out of position, i.e. four nails on the wing, or or playing players that are out of form. Because they have to come into this formation. Mm. Why not change the formation to fit the players? You know, I, I don't really know why we don't do that. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, for one, would like to see Heller and Antonio together. Play to your strengths and what players you've got. You know, if we sign another centre-half, then you've got Diop, Ogbonna and Say as Shane Duffy. Solid back three. Good keeper sitting behind them. Then you've got that pace in Mazuaku and Fredericks on the flanks there. It's frightening, really. Mm. Two very fit players can get up and down as quick as you like. Then, you, like I say, you've got that, that central pair in there of, um, of Rice and Suchek, which I think is different class. And then you have got maybe a Bowen who I think could be dangerous in that area. Then you've got the, the, the front two. Mm. For me, looking at what we've got now, I think that is the most logical formation we could play. And if mm. I was the manager... That's what I would implement and I would fucking intensely work on that with the players every single day. Mm. That's mm. that's what I think should happen with West Ham. Until Alaire gets injured. Well, until Alaire gets injured. So then, do you know what? Give fucking Silver a run out. Or put Bowen up front mm. with Antonio and then maybe, I don't know, give another opportunity to, to Lanzini or play Fulnails in his best position, which I believe is a number 10. Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely strength in your argument there, definitely. And I can see why you would say that, definitely. I don't think Moyes will do that. No. But there is strength in your argument. And like I said, um, Allaire has scored scored goals in the um, German, Dutch and French mm. league. And it's always been with partners. Yeah, yeah, I mean... You've got to look at that as well. Yeah. What has worked for him historically? It's almost like... Listen, I'm not... I'm not being a dick. I'm not. I'm not saying David Moyes never thinks of any of this stuff, and I'm being revolutionary as <laughs> to why you should manage West Ham United. Because yeah. I'd be a prick if I was saying that. <laughs> but it, you know, it's common sense. A lot of this stuff. What's worked for Hilaire in the past in a team? What service has he thrived on more than anything else? Mm-hmm. What are his biggest strengths? You know, what formation best fits the players that we've got? Mm. What formation best fits our weaknesses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I said, other people would agree with you on that, definitely. It's not what you're saying is definitely got credibility, that's for sure. Um, I can't argue with it necessarily. It would be good to see, as I say. So, what would you, so tell me your formation for the season. Would you agree with that, or, or would you stick to what we're currently doing, or would you go a 4 4 2? If you had the job against Newcastle, you got appointed the day before, and you said, right, this is what I'm going to do for Saturday. What formation are you going with with your Well, players? I think I would go with the formation that was getting us out of trouble last year because yeah. it was proven to work for those last few yeah. games. I wouldn't look to, I've always said you don't change a winning team. Yeah. So I think I would go with 4-5-1. I think I would go with Fabianski uh, in goal. Uh, I'd go right back with Johnson. My two centre-backs at the moment would be Ogbonna and Diop. I'd hopefully bring in a new left-back. Mm. Um if I haven't got a new left back, then probably Cresswell, I guess. But mm. I would want a new left back. I'd make that my priority. Midfield would be Rice and Suchek uh, in the sort of defensive central there. On the right would be Bowen. On the left, 
I think I would start with Grady. I know that is quite controversial, but I think I would give him a chance there. Then as attacking midfielder, um, I would be really torn because I'd have the options of Fornells, I'd have the option of um, Yarmolenko possibly there, Lanzini if he is coming yeah, back Yeah, but I'm sure towards the end of last season... He played a central free midfield, didn't he? With Noble as part he of that did, free as well. I'm not including Noble. I'm, so you uh, would change that? Yeah. Um, so I think I would go... Um, I think I would go with... Gosh, that attacking midfield position is tough for me. I think I'd probably go with Funnels in it to see how he does. And then Antonio up front. And then my bench would be strong, mm. including Hilaire. And if I think at half-time or 60 minutes, 60 minutes, things aren't going well, depending on how not well they're going, I would bring I would bring Hilaire on. I would maybe bring on someone for Fernals if he's not performing. Maybe bring on someone for Diangana if he's not. But I've got options. Mm. Um, but I would go with what the team was that was getting me out of trouble last year. Mm, interesting. Have you had any feedback on what the players have thought about pre-season so far? Like the training, how they've responded to David Moyes, the coaches, obviously Stuart Pearce is back now. Um, I think they were, at first there was some apprehension about getting Stuart Pearce back because there were a few players that didn't take to him last time. Um, however, apparently he was well received when he came back. They kind of gotten over it maybe um he's been working on their defensive side of things they love nolan as you would mm. he's a very popular character mm. i think nevin they respect as being very knowledgeable i think you've got quite a good balance there because mm. nolan's you obviously have been there done that in the english game and he's one of the boys he's as well one of the he? boys he's a yeah. former captain you know i think he he's there he's good at sort of geeing them up i think nevin's very good at the kind of technical side of things um i think that Stuart Pierce again sort of been there done that but can work on that sort of toughness that mental toughness and mm. that maybe that system for defending and so on goalkeeper coach is very highly rated he's the only coach that survived the or at a high level survived the Pellegrini reign was brought in by Pellegrini but obviously survived that um, well, that says a lot actually yeah exactly so he's highly highly rated um, and I think the players have responded well apparently Lanzini's been doing really well in training um, mm. again what that means I don't know whether he'll carry that on I'm not sure um, and I think you know some of the youngsters are really staking their claims to be in the first team squad again whether they'll get that I don't know because I have heard a number of them have um, got offers for loans so whether that will happen uh, I don't know but um, I think I think so far it's gone well I think they enjoyed their time in Scotland I mean ideally they would have gone a slightly more glamorous place mm. I guess but given the circumstances I think it worked well um, I think the players were pleased to have the two games where they played Ipswich and um, Wickham because everyone got some minutes mm. pretty much yeah. that was due to get minutes I actually think that's quite a good idea yeah. doing that really yeah. um, and so yeah I think generally things are going okay but to me I, I pre-season just really doesn't mean a great deal mm. not, in, not in that respect not in judging a team's success anyway for mm. next season well whatever your opinion is on pre-season two excellent results so far with a 4-1 and a 5-1 win next up is Brentford at home on Saturday followed by Reading away on Tuesday and then Saturday week pre-season concludes with a chance to lift a trophy for the first time since 1980 
as we go up against Bournemouth. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I was in the Toto as well, oh, wasn't was it? Yeah. Someone <laughs> fucking broke in and nicked that out of the cabinet <laughs> and all, didn't yeah. they? Um, but you know, it is the prestigious Betway Cup against yeah. Bournemouth, uh, and it will conclude on that day pre-season and excitement levels are through the roof and uh, and then should we win when and where will the open top bus parade take place um, I think we should do it here shouldn't we in your garden <laughs> <laughs> just go round and round in circles <laughs> yeah uh, I think I think the Betway Cup has become a bit of a joke really now isn't it I mean yeah, it's, it's a, a massive box tick for the sponsors oh yeah it? definitely and the fact that um, we're Usually, we try to pull in some glamorous, glamorous, glamorous team um, from abroad. Um, and we're <laughs> yeah, but we never abroad. fucking beat them, no, do we? No, no, we're now playing Bournemouth with yeah. no fans. It's not yeah. not really the same, I guess. But um, it, you know, for me again, as I keep saying, you just use these for fitness. This is to get your yeah, fitness levels. Yeah, that up. is the most important thing. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Right, let's talk about all the players that we're not going to sign. Okay, as always, it's over to you, XWHU employee, or should I say, X Chelsea employee? How do I address you these days? <laughs> All right, let, let me give that explanation a little bit. So, obviously. We, you all know I get a fair amount of stick here and there so for various things most of it I don't get that bothered about but I get one thing I get is from the it's usually the young football Twitter crowd that don't really understand football at the moment it seems but they always say this doesn't happen at any other club that prick makes us look like circus it don't happen anywhere there's no leaks happen it's so unprofessional so I and I had a couple one day and I thought you know what fuck it I'm going to show you that it happens elsewhere and I thought I'm going to use the sources that I have at a club and I'm going to put some news out and I'm going to be right so I thought about it and I thought right who do I know at various clubs that would be reliable and that could give me information and I had a few options so you know I could probably do it for Arsenal I could do it for Norwich I could do it for Crystal Palace or I could do it for Chelsea and I had a think and I thought actually Chelsea people I know are probably the most reliable they're also arguably the bigger club so it's going to get probably the most attention if I do it and then I will prove that it can be done elsewhere so all I did is speak to two or three very very reliable Chelsea sources very reliable and just said to them right tell me what Chelsea you're going to do in the next few days and I'm going to um, see if you're right <coughs> so they told me and uh, it was you know I've tw- I did t- I did four or five tweets maybe um, and every single one is starting to come in now and be accurate and obviously Chelsea fans just latched onto it and were like wow like he's so accurate because I did I did a classic West Ham ITK there's West Ham ITKs out there that appear on forums they do three tweets a window and then bugger off and no one ever hears from them again and everyone's like wow they're amazing because they come in and they do these free tweets and boom they're right but what these people don't understand is you can do that for any club if I was to do free tweets out of all the things I say about West Ham I could get everything 100% right but you know people like me do 15 minute podcast shows every week with our news these fellas like mm-hmm. me with Chelsea put out five tweets or whatever and that's it so I put out five tweets for Chelsea they're all 
starting to come in now um, and their fans just jumped all over it and were like wow we've never had an ISEK before oh can you do stuff for us can you tell us news they're constantly in my mentions at the moment which is a little bit irritating because everything I say I've got them saying can you tell me this can you tell me that can you tell that so the reason I did it again that people say oh it's because he loves the attention of it it's been funny I'm not going to lie any amount of Chelsea fans that want the news but it was to prove that if you have the right contacts and sources you can put news out about any club the problem is journalists and other people don't have don't know how to manage their sources correctly or don't have the links that you need Um, but you can do this if you've got contacts in all clubs you can do this Honestly, mm. you could leak for every single club in this country. Mm. You mm. just have to know the right people and you just have to get trusted news and you just have to uh, make sure that you keep your sources confidential. And as I've proven with Chelsea, I, I could do this every week with Chelsea. I could do as much news, arguably for them as I can for West Ham because they do more. Mm. But I could do it for Chelsea. I could do it for three or four other clubs. And that, I hope now quashes the myth that only West Ham have leaks and that I'm bad for the club um no because every other club this is possible to to do it I'm just very good at reporting on West Ham because I know what's happening Mm. I could be very good at reporting on Chelsea because I know what's happening there um so it's just about being someone that reports news like journalists and Sky do but actually being accurate with it Wow, there you go. X gonna give it to you. There you go. Hashtag mic drop. <laughs> um, it's not, and again, it's not to. It wasn't to show off or for the ego. Because what do I get for being accurate with Chelsea news? Let's be honest. I'm not a Chelsea fan. I find it boring talking about them. I don't particularly want to be rated by Chelsea fans. I have no intention of meeting Chelsea fans or doing anything for Chelsea. Uh, um, so it was just to prove that it's not just West Ham that you can do this one. Mm. Anyway, you flash cunt. <laughs> Talking about West Ham, yeah. uh, I know you normally just take the reins, but I'm actually going to ask you to start with something in particular. It's not announcing Messi, because I think you can do that next week, yes. can't you? Well, he hasn't quite finalised. Okay, time, right. He's got, I know he's got to do the medical yeah, and all that exactly, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know they're working it out backstage. Yeah. But um, no, I have to ask you, is it true that it's a done deal that we've actually received money, and I mean actual spendable currency, for Roberto. No. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm so excited then until you said that. Right, before before I start on that, and that is obviously in my section, <laughs> I do need to say that my section is sponsored now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> no, exactly. Sponsorship friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it is sponsored by... Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Lampard um, yeah. uh, so he's a fellow called Adam Reed, who I, I admittedly I forgot that I had to read this out so I've quickly messaged him at this, well, since I've been here and said mate tell me what you want me to say because he has sponsored us um, and he's drunk at a wedding so between us this isn't overly prepared but uh, what, what he is saying is that uh, he works for he's Adam Reed. he works for Reed Online so obviously it's his, his property is the UK's number one online sales and letting agent with no upfront costs if you visit readresidential.co.uk for further details 
details. All West Ham fans will receive a 500 discount on their selling fees, which when you consider it's um, one of the best priced ones anyway, if you're knocking off £500 because you're a West Ham yeah, fan, superb. that's going to be very, very superb. well priced. And his motto is, your property is our passion. Um, so It's not yeah. got the same ring as your testes or your besties, but <laughs> I can not, see where he's going not, with it's it. It's not the same alliteration line. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am... Um, uh, and just to mention that he's, he's actually a really, he's a really nice fellow really yeah. good bloke and he has written this will probably get him some customers he's written he showed me he emailed it to me he's written a letter of complaint I guess dissatisfaction of the board and he's written it very well I think he's got from memory 10 very strong points on there which he's sending to all three of the chairmen, he sort of seems largely based around the finances and, and stuff, and he's sending it to all three of the chairmen, and I said to him, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, mate, I doubt they're going to answer it, and he said, I'm going to keep sending it, and keep sending it, and keep sending it, until I get answers, so he's uh, he's putting those strings. Do you know what, if he's alright with it, and you're alright with it, I think we should read it out on the show. Yeah. You know, yeah. we were always open to other fans' opinions, yeah. and to, to, to look at and share a really well-crafted email that I think a lot of people can relate to and it will resonate with, let's do it. Well, I've got the email, but obviously I'll, I'll check with Adam that he's happy with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I'm sure he probably is. And maybe we'll do that in the section, the first section next week because it's quite a long email for me mm. to just read out now. But it is very well written and it asks the questions that most West Ham fans want, want mm. answers to. Mm. And if David Gold... Um, would agree to come back on the podcast again which he had done and then mm. didn't um, they're the sort of things that we would ask to mm. um, but in some ways it's probably better to do it um, via an email or a letter rather than put for want of a better word an old man on the spot on a podcast yeah. is probably better yeah. and fairer to do it for a letter and hopefully you'd get we'd get a decent decent response to mm. it that would answer those questions um so yeah anyway so to answer the question that you first asked me roberto is leaving west ham this is where you need your jingle yeah, yeah i know hallelujah. i know yeah, you can yeah. build it in or um, well, the cheer <laughs> you've never got your cheer yeah. i did missed you, that sound did you bold. even carry it over no i didn't really? it wasn't it, it didn't belong to me oh that was of the radio station that uh they in this day and age will remain nameless <laughs> because of certain strained relationships but that wasn't my property however i'm sure i can i'm sure i can pull it from somewhere you know something can't uh, you even get like you know those old school things like sound boxes that you used to have when you were a kid that would do something they press it do a dinosaur <laughs> roar and things like that must possibly be possibly like maybe yeah but then i would not be funny where we've had our asses smacked before on copyright i'm pretty <laughs> Get sued by fucking Disney now, my love. Yeah, but no, I'll have a look into that. Well, that'd be another one to add to the list of being sued by the Beatles, <laughs> DMX, and uh, yeah, let's add D- Disney to, yeah, the, to yeah. the list. That'd be quite good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Roberto is going to be joining Raul Valla. Uh, Valladolid. How do you pronounce that? I don't know, but I would uh, guess Valladolid. Or if I was Spanish, Valladolid. <laughs> Go in that. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so basically. <laughs> so typically West Ham we're paying to get rid of him <laughs> so, so it, but for the first time I can actually understand know, that exactly yeah, for once it makes sense I still sense. think that's a good bit of business yeah. just goes to show how fucking bad Roberto well is. that's it now it depends who you believe because when I saw, when I reported that Roberto was joining West Ham you know, a year or so ago, whenever it was now, I think it was about June time, because it was when I was on holiday in Portugal, and I was 
not paying any attention to transfers and it suddenly popped up. He um, When he signed a year or so ago, the, the talk at the club was that we'd done brilliant because we got rid of Adrian to, to Liverpool and we'd been able to bring in Roberto and Martin for a combined wage of a lot less than what Adrian was on. Mm. Now, if you read what I've been told by someone in the club, apparently... Roberto was on actually 38,000 a week. Now, I don't I'm not entirely sure whether that figure is accurate or not. However, well, we got him on a free though, didn't we? Yeah, so it could be and I guess you could argue Mark maybe Martin's on 4 grand a week or whatever, so then it would make it less than Adrian, but yeah. it doesn't that figure just doesn't seem entirely accurate to me. But anyway, that's the figure I've given and that we are paying sixty-five percent of his wages up until next June when his contract actually officially expires. So we're right. basically paying so we've got no transfer fee for him and we're paying that percentage of his wages to get to get rid of him, basically. Jesus Christ. So what's the a disaster he has been now? Obviously, thankfully he didn't really cost us any money, but he cost us in bloody points and yeah. wages. So yeah. wow. Yeah. So the saga, one of the most bizarre sagas in Recent history is yeah. now officially ending. It's got to be the only transfer that's free that we can lose money on. God, I, unbelievable, isn't it? It yeah. just sums it all it's, up. It's, really. it's going to happen at West Ham. Yeah, it sums it all up. Um, so we're still in the same predicament where we need to try and sell players before we can bring anyone in. So we're starting to lose out on targets that we had originally. I said how much we wanted to sign Eze, but we wanted to move players on. We're just not moving on enough players. So Eze looks like he's going to join Crystal Palace. It could even be announced by the time this podcast goes out tomorrow. Mm. So interesting to see how he does. Yeah. I mean, it was so funny with him. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. I had a day where the Palace fans were just going for me because one account found a tweet where I said, Eze had agreed terms with Palace. Okay. What do you take from that? Eze, so the player has agreed terms with Palace. What am I saying? Well, that he's agreed personal terms he's going to sign for him. That he's going to sign for them, yeah. or that he's just spoke to the club and the, the deal, the fee is not maybe agreed. Yeah, no, I, that he's agreed personal terms. Yeah, basically. And that's what I, it was. And players do that all the time, mate. It's yeah. so much more common for a player to agree a personal term with, um, with a club through their agent before the clubs have even agreed a fee because yeah. the player needs to know whether it's worth. Mm. The, the going the club go through because he needs to know ultimately if he's going to get it or not and mm. it's not meant to be that way but it is that way 100% every player pretty much gets tapped up I know of Premier League managers texting players that play for other clubs and saying look you need to join us you need to force a move out of the club we will give you this that and the other but you need to say you want to leave they do it all the time mm. mate so Crystal Palace agreed with Eze they didn't agree with QPR, so mm. and I got so much shit for that from because they just couldn't understand it. I just wanted to call me a fraud, and it and looks like it's happening now. Um, so in your fucking face, Palace fans, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fucking shit fans, under- aren't they? But mate, I don't understand yeah, I them. I don't, I don't like Palace, mate. Fans. I don't give a shit about Palace. I mean, I don't particularly like them. The way days, they're quite fun, but their ground is a shit. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I get 
they seem to have this issue with West Ham on social yeah. media. They've got a real issue with me to the point where I won't even barely report anything about Ballas because they just seem to go for me. But what I think they've got, which unfortunately West Ham's got, is this large following of like football Twitter accounts. You know, the ones that have a fake pro, like have a picture of a footballer and they call themselves after that footballer. So like Luscious Lanzini, Happy yeah. Hilaire, yeah. you know, Fabulous Fabianski and all this stuff. And then they just seem to get their kicks and their credit from going around trying to, I don't know, get reactions. Palace just seem to try to cause this problem with West Ham. Maybe it's because no one really takes them particularly seriously in London, so they try and do it that way. Mm. I don't know. But it's an inferior complex, possibly. Maybe. It's just very Shit club, I think, Palace. Do nothing for me. I used to quite like them in in the 90s when they had like Ian Wright and Mark Bright and people like that. And they were, they nearly beat Man United in that 1990 cup final, was it? I used to find them quite entertaining. I quite like their kit as well. But I, ever since like the 2003 playoff and since social media has been around mm. and and also what doesn't help is that Will Salthouse the well-known agent that deals a lot with West Ham also deals a lot with Palace as well if you look at his clients half right. of them are at Palace half of them are at West Ham um, and so he then makes players be uh, targets of both clubs so we're constantly going up against each other yeah. for players as well interesting that you haven't seen in that case more transfers between the two clubs actually yeah I mean we've had Chiata haven't you you've had Tompkins um, mm. Crystal Palace tried to sign Antonio at one point um, uh, I'm sure there was one other I can't remember now but um, yeah but they were often like Bowen was linked with the two mm. Eze was linked with the two although Eze isn't a sort house player sort house tried to get involved in that deal um, sure there were some others recently can't remember oh um Caballo Caballo whatever his name is he chose Palace didn't he over us I think so there's been those mm. either way um, that doesn't help things um Sorry, it's got a load of messages there. Uh, so we are looking at signing a centre-back, a left-back and a forward, but we don't have the money to do it at the moment. Duffy is still at Brighton. They have made a move for him, but I think they're weighing up options with that. Other clubs are strongly in for him as well, um, to the point where they've moved ahead of West Ham, I think. Newcastle are in for him. I think West Brom are. I think Celtic are. So we should well, moved ahead in in what respect in terms of the process of the deal? Yeah. Or they want they've offered him more money. Process or? of the deal, they seem to have right. made it more of an effort to sign him. Whether we'll go in for him or not, again, I'm not sure at this point. The kit is due to be released tomorrow. The third kit mm-hmm. is due to be previewed tomorrow. It was due. I haven't heard if it's definitely coming tomorrow, but that was always the date. Um, I Will like Sh- it. Third kit's lovely. Yeah, I like it. Will Shah has had um, talks. Not talks, but there's some interest from America and potentially taking him. But again, it would be like Winston Reed and um, Roberto and stuff where we take a massive loss on his wages and still have to pay them up until he leaves. He's on 100 grand a week. You know, so there's going to be a massive amount there. Funnily, I don't know if you saw Winston Reed made his first appearance for after we talked about him on yeah. the podcast. He actually made his debut for... He played a full game as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they Fucking won. Fucking marvellous. I know, exactly. They won 2-1, I think. But how is he playing a full game of football then? And we haven't know. seen him at West Ham since the old king died. Don't you know? know. How the fuck does this work? <laughs> I don't know, mate. It's... 
Maybe it's less competitive than I don't Jesus know, but whatever Christ. reason, he's he's done that. Um, <clears throat> do you see the stands behind the goals have now been completed? As in the moving of the squaring it off. There's, po- there's pictures. No, I haven't seen the completed. Yeah, pictures, they're completed actually. now, and they're on social media. The right. Pictures, it, How's it looking? It looks good from what I can see, but then you know I haven't been to the stadium. I haven't seen it in the flesh. I haven't seen whether it works in the match it looks good from the photos I've seen but photos can be deceptive can't they yeah. so uh, I need to kind of see that in the flesh whenever that will be because I think they want to get fans in for the first game of the season but you've got to be in a, a ballot system for it so yeah. it take me three games they're talking about not having any away fans at games <sighs> for another season I and I think it was West Ham transfers made a decent point so you can be a fan from like you know you, you get West Ham fans all over the place don't you so let's say like the the Belfast Hammers, yeah, they can fly over, and I'm glad they can because they're a lovely bunch. But just for the, this argument, they can fly over from Northern Ireland um, and take twenty five, thirty fans to a West Ham game. But West Ham fans can't go to Crystal Palace for an away game, which is five yeah. ten it's, it's another uh, example of it just uh, not making sense no, it's stupid it's so, so frustrating we were saying off air as well about what this means for our events as well with the reduced capacity yeah. at home is, is it going to be another year now without our pre-match events which is pretty sickening crushing mate crushing yeah. I really miss them like yeah. I am um, I want to I want to really get them back on. I miss the people, you know. Yeah. Like, I was oh, thinking, yeah. I haven't actually spoke to Wardy for ages. I don't know when the last time you no. had. But, <laughs> no, it's uh, been a few weeks, I think, uh, well, Wardy. Weeks? <laughs> yeah. No, I think, it, I think it has. I think I touched base with him possibly a month ago okay. just to see what was what. Yeah, and, mine's uh, about a month or so yeah, ago. Yeah. And I've sort of seen He's him. doing all right, Wardy, for, for those at home listening. He's doing good, all right. Good, yeah. And I haven't, we obviously haven't seen any of the people we work with, like no. Keith, Keith and Sue and Katie and the... Mm bar staff and um, uh, God it's been so long I've got his name oh, God, God, it does obviously an asset to what we do it's <laughs> all about Rob yes yeah, Rob yeah. yeah Rob and um, yeah and all the people obviously the, the guests you know it's sad so, yeah it is because yeah. we've built up a real kind of community there yeah, really 100% um, we'll get that back I'm yeah sure. hopefully uh, and then just a couple of things just to promote at the end I'd like to give a shout out to the West Ham Way USA podcast. Now, mm-hmm. we were lucky enough, uh, roughly this time last year, maybe a week earlier, to be in Vegas and do the event that we did out there with Jonathan Spector and with all the American fan groups. Arguably, four of the best days of my life. Absolutely amazing experience. And we had the pleasure of getting to know particular West Ham fans very mm. well. Um, obviously, we got to know um, Brawley because... Um, uh, God, you know, I'm like with names. Um, his co-host Tony, uh, Tony, thank you. Um, wasn't there, so I got to know Brody really, really well. Um, and we had a chat, and he was keen to come and work with us. So we created didn't really do much, but we sort of branded it as the West Ham Way USA. Yeah. I'm going to hope that yeah. they are a great podcast. They're yeah. really, really good. They're really good to listen to. Um, if you don't like. Um, uh, East London West Ham fan perspective of it and you prefer a more international one well then listen to their podcast um, yeah. and um, you know they uh, they have some really interesting debates there so tune into that and then finally we're obviously going to be launching our West Ham Way predictions game um, in the next 
a day or so. Now we had great fun with it. You probably more than me this uh, this season. Obviously, I'm pretty sure you didn't have much fun. No, I actually that fucking all, hated it. But that shouldn't put people off. <laughs> it just depends. Just don't play with mates. They're going to wind you up every single bloody week over it. But uh, had uh, yeah, no, I had some, we had some good fun with it. And we're actually going to set it up again um, this season. It's all ready to go. Yeah. Dave and I just need to tweet out the link to it and and so on. So it's basically for those of you that haven't played you basically predict the scores in every Premier League game on a website it's all got drop down menus and so on you predict the first team in the league to score the first goal so you know which team's going to get the fastest goal you also predict which West Ham player is going to get the last booking Mm. West Ham point West Ham predictions as in the results score more than other game prediction ever so it's got that West Ham slant to it um but it's fun because you can go into a league of your mates you can go into the big league where everyone's in it um and you pay 20 pounds to enter but you get a chance of winning loads of prizes we had signed shirts we had um money we had tickets to our events every week we did that obviously we need the events to start mm. again um you know get the winners going to come on our podcast um yeah. free entry to the competition free entry to the competition season. a free west Ham uh, way season ticket um to the events so it's really and, it, and even if you don't get any prizes mm. it's just good for the banter and you can see where how dave and i are doing you can yeah. look at our predictions one nice feature I think they're putting in this year which is quite interesting is that it will compare West Ham fans predictions and the league table based upon them compared to what the real life table is so it'll be interesting to see quite high how quite how high West Ham fans put West Ham as opposed to what the actual realistic yeah. and accurate league table is so yeah it's, it's, it's really good fun the other thing that we've got is we're gonna I think as of before this show I think I've persuaded Dave to enter a fancy football team into the fancy football league <laughs> I already have just because you want to be able to beat me at something <laughs> so I'll beat you at squash um, so I need to <laughs> I need to set I need to set up that league um, and do my team but I think we'll both be in that as well it's already got about 6,000 people in it if I just yeah. renew it and that's so free to play as well that's free to play we were going to do a competition but apparently that is illegal and neither mm. you or I want to face further charges to our to our, to our blemished uh, uh, track record so um yeah so we'll um we'll see um but yeah the, the prediction game get involved with that yeah good stuff and a good shout as well on Brawley and Tony I mean that yeah. was the thing when we went to Vegas I mean I was blown away really by um the amount of people that we met the amount of people that came to the events the amount of people that listened to this podcast uh, and just how we were treated as well yeah. when we went there. Was... By Brawley's parents as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mum and dad are lovely. Yeah, uh... everyone was. Yeah. Everyone was there. I mean, uh, one fella even brought his, his dog to the event, mm. the, the, the bulldog, do you remember? It was yeah. just such a lovely mm. atmosphere that day. And what struck me that day more than anything else was just how genuinely passionate these American West Ham fans are. I mean, they know their stuff first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, they get enough credit for, for how much they know about West Ham yeah. and how much they love the club. But they're so passionate. When we lose, it it hurts as, as much as it hurts us. And when we win, they share in that euphoria. And we experienced that. And uh, Brawley and Tony, who run the West Ham Way podcast USA, are two of those lads. So yeah. if you want to experience that and you want to break from me and X or even cross-reference it, then go and check them out definitely 
Right, okay. Um, don't go anywhere because next it's the last part of the show where we answer questions from our collective followers on social media. As always, thanks to everyone for taking the time to give us your questions, and X is going to read them out. This one's from at Carl Milan, and he said, do you think that some of the youth that played yesterday um, could be given a chance this season due to the lack of funds? I guess we've kind of answered that, but mm. yeah, I think there's a real, real... Um, I, I would have a real credibility to that, that I think we should give some of them a chance. For example... Look, if you take, I know it was a bad signing, but if you take either Roberto or Carlos Sanchez, for mm. example, if we'd played Anang or Trot or Coventry or Cullen instead of either of those two, would we have been any worse off? No, I think we'd have been better off playing wise and we certainly would have been better off financially. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be pushing necessary for the first team spot although as we've said and Gakia came in was good enough Johnson's came in is good enough you know I think certain players like that should be given a chance um, because in if we are as financially brokers we're being told we are you're going to get much more value for money by putting academy players in and hoping they develop and then become either first team players or players that you can sell on I think you're going to see this with football I think championship clubs and league one clubs rather than loaning players from the Premier League necessarily will try to develop some of their own players more so yeah. now than previously because they'll need to financially. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. In fact, I'm surprised that isn't happening already, uh, yeah. greater than it is. But I think the likes of Ngakia Johnson and Declan Rice restores the belief that Dean our Garner academy system well. can work. You yeah. can throw Dean Garner yeah. in there as well. I mean, that's four players there. Yeah. That's quite a lot. Yeah. When you think for a number of years, we wasn't really developing anything no, decent, was no. we? We hit a real low in our academy. Yeah. Um, Shout it's also, out to Dave Hunt, who we both know for recruiting these Yeah, players. yeah, absolutely. Mark Phillips involved yeah. in the coaching of them. Yeah, Steve some good Potts shouts so out there. Some very yeah. well-deserved shouts. But it's also a bit of a double-edged sword with fans as well, because on the one hand, a number of fans are screaming to give you for chance. On the other end, probably in a lot of cases, the same fans are moaning that we've not made any signings. Yeah, I actually saw a really good question earlier, and I can't remember if I put it in or not, but if I did, we'll just skip it later. Someone did say, what would you rather, as a fan, would you rather you get a player come through the academy that turns out to be, a, like Declan, a great player for you, or would you rather buy that big name, exciting um, player, bring him to the club and see how well he does? And for me, I'd rather academy players, because mm. I think you've you've not just got them because you've spent money you've developed them not only as a player but as a um, individual as yeah. well and they've probably bought into the whole ethos of West Ham a lot more than someone that's just joining you for a transfer fee and wages I think there's quite a few layers to that answer actually because I agree I'd definitely mm. go down the academy player route and have another Declan Rice for a few reasons because um, one, they're going to have more of a resale value in mm. four or five years if they do decide to leave and yeah. we want to cash in on what could be one of our best assets. Whereas in three, four, five years' time, that big name is probably ready for retirement. Um, obviously, more than likely, it's going to be a local boy who's hungry, determined and actually privileged and, and proud to play for West Ham, mm. which lacks with a lot of the players that we bring to this club. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think this, this big money signing, as we've seen in recent times, 
what is the motivation from coming to West Ham? You might, in theory, think it's great that we've signed this big player, but that big player might have already won the Champions League, won Serie A, played at national level. So is he now coming to West Ham to put his feet up yeah. and have the odd decent game mm-hmm. on 200 grand a week? Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely, whilst it's easier said than done, um, a real first for players coming through the academy mm. and, and being as successful as Declan Rice mm. who in my opinion is up there as, as one of the greatest academy players we've ever developed 100% I mean the, the fact that we're known as the academy shows that we pride ourselves on taking players from it and what you just said about Declan as well is so spot on it was funny because obviously since I've become ex-Chelsea employee <laughs> I've had a, a lot of Chelsea fans message me and say and made the comparison between um, Declan and Lampard and Joe Cole at that age now Joe Cole was a player that was almost the opposite to Declan like when he was like 14 13 he was known as like the best thing I remember going to a West Ham um, supporters meeting when I was a kid because Joe Cole is what a year older a year younger than me I think might even be the same school year as me but just younger um, and I remember going to that and people said we have got the best I think Harry Redknapp was the manager we have got the best kid that you've ever seen man yeah. you want the him hype was unreal, the hype was unreal it? before he'd even broke into the first yeah. team and yes his career was good you know he won titles he played for England and 60 odd time 56 whatever it was he scored free and played in World Cups he didn't quite quite reach the potential largely because I don't think he had a set position and was not necessarily a team player so they compare and at 21 Rice 100% was a better player than Lampard now Lampard Mm. scored goals and Lampard obviously turned out to be world class and arguably one of Chelsea's greatest ever players but when he was at West Ham Mm. I don't think he was that mm. good. I think he was good and he scored goals and maybe he would have developed into the play did at Chelsea, but he was not as good as what Rice is. Rice mm. can just go on and kick on mm. to be an amazing player. Yeah. Um, but because his position is less glamorous than Joe Cole or Frank Lampard, he doesn't get the recognition from other clubs. Mm. But for his ability in his position... He's mm. as good as them, and oh, he's got the right yeah. attitude. Yeah, he has. It's a full package. Yeah. He's literally I the mean, full package. If you were to pick the, an academy greatest ever eleven, it's got to be in there. Definitely bearing in mind your competition, the people like you know Bobby Moore, Martin Peters, Jeff Hurst, yeah. Trevor Brookin, you know like Tony Cotty, uh, points even dare I say mm. it, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick. You know the yeah. list is endless. Yeah. Um, he would definitely get in that yeah. team. See, I think he's a better player at 21 than Michael Carrick was yeah. at 21. And I know you're a massive Michael am, Carrick fan. I am. And, that's the, and that shows how much I rate Declan. Because yeah. for me, out of all the academy players that came through whilst playing for West Ham, I, obviously Lampard went on and Rio went on to do more than Carrick probably, although Carrick was obviously successful. When at West Ham, I would say Carrick was better than any of them. I would now say that Rice was Yeah, than I him. agree with that. Mm. I agree, and I just think he, I, I, I just, I just got so much time for him, not just as a player, but as a person as yeah. well. I mean, like, luckily, you and I have, you know, got to know him a bit, and I, I can say he is just such a good bloke. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if he'll stay at West Ham. That's another story. I think that question's coming, but for what he's done at West Ham, yeah, already is mm. he'll be remembered for forever. Really. Yeah. Um, uh, Richards underscore Sean probably need a bit longer to do this question, but he's just basically cuts the chase and said, board in or out. Oh, board out. Mm. I know we've said it before. I mean, yeah, I know. And, and 
possibly the reason he's asking that question was that we probably gave the board a little bit more patience than most, should we say. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, looking back at the reasons why, I think they were credible reasons. I still maintain. I back what I said. Yeah, same Then, here. I've changed my mind now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because of things that have happened since then. But yeah. uh, for the start of this podcast, when we'd just done the PIA season, yeah. we just moved into what I thought was going to be a great stadium. Exactly, We yeah. then brought in Pellegrini and high-paid play- uh, big players. Yeah. I still maintain, up until that point, I was right to give them a chance. With hindsight, obviously, I think, no, I'm an idiot. I should have not wanted them. Yeah. But not having hindsight, yeah. But now, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is potentially a, a long discussion. But in, in a nutshell, if it's at all possible, um, you know, I, I've, I, for one, had a private conversation with David Sullivan, right, when I met him once. And uh, I said this on a podcast at the time as well. I spoke to him for quite a while, and he looked me in the eye, and do you know what? He he was so sincere and genuine with telling me how much he loved this football club and what he wanted to achieve. And he basically called what then happened. He said, I want to get a top manager to this football club and I want to spend big money. I want to have a go. And there's going to be a, a little bit of patience that's needed, but I'm I'm absolutely sure I'm going to get us there. And this was at a time when things weren't that bad at West Ham, actually. Mm. Uh, and I did believe in what he was saying. And then that did happen, albeit, you know, the honeymoon over the honeymoon period was over quite quickly with Pellegrini. Mm. But he did employ Pellegrini that everyone was excited about, who was, I think, the third or fourth highest paid manager in the Premier League. He did then go the and speak about it. In the I world, think, there yeah. you go. I mean, if that yeah. isn't a statement of intent and, and a show of ambition um, for someone that is supposedly a crook who only wants to take money out of West Ham. I don't know what is. Um, and then, you know, all, all these players that were joining on big money and big wages and suddenly the future started to look pretty decent. Even now, you look at the squad. On this podcast, the amount of times I say it's a top eight side, it's a top eight side. We've got great players at this football club who on their day excite the fans and entertain us, give us what we want as supporters. They have to take some credit for that. Now, the fact that those players are underachieving isn't the board's fault. They are the ones who sign the checks to get those players here in the first place. It's then down to the player and the managers and the coaching staff to make everything come together. And it should be coming together a lot better and a lot quicker than it is. So, do I think they've been horrendous for West Ham? I don't think they've been as horrendous as a lot of people make them out to be. Do I think they've tried their best but should definitely move on now. Yes, because their best hasn't been good enough. And the way they run a football club is substandard. It's in the dinosaur age. I don't think they run a football club with any clear, genuine strategy. And I think by them being here, they're actually now holding the football club back. And the cherry on the cake... Yeah, and the cherry on the cake for this is the fact that the prize asset to all West Ham fans was always Upton Park. So to be sitting here talking about balding or balled out when we don't have Upton Park anymore, but we're not in a Champions League position is unforgivable, really, because we're now in another relegation scrap or off the back of another relegation scrap. And that, for me, shows whether you love the new stadium or you don't, we've sacrificed Upton Park 
for nothing in return. Yeah. And you can't forgive that. No. And uh, that, amongst other things to do with their management of fo- football club, means they have to go. I think the biggest mistakes they the biggest mistake they've made in the whole time they've been here is the lies and the false promises. Mm. I mean, you can trace back interview after interview where they've said things like, we would not move from Upton Park if we're going to be that far from the yep. pitch. We're going to have a world-class team and a world-class The stadium. badges of representation yeah, the of the ba- club's history, exactly. that will never change. All these promises that if they're not happy will be a Champions League side within four years or whatever it was like the thing is though mate just just very quickly I think most of if not all of those statements were from David Gold uh, certainly the one about the pitch was yeah the distance from the pitch certainly the one about the badge was with David Gold is he just someone that's injected a bit of cash in West Ham and actually isn't allowed to have any say on anything well, that goes no on at West Ham because no I'm sure at the time when he's talking about well unless it's, a, it's the same distance well, that's probably in his heart of hearts how he really felt and how he genuinely believed it would be uh, yeah he he's he with the badge same thing he probably didn't foresee probably didn't even want the badge change but how much how much armour does he have nothing. so actually David Sullivan I'm not happy with that nothing and, that, I'm, and I'm not going to sign that that's off. why David Sullivan's got 50.1% of the shares so there you go. and David Gold's got 25% of them obviously Karen Brady was the one that said about the world class stadium and world class yep. pitch it was David Sullivan that said about being a Champions League side within right, four yeah. or five years so they also have said their bits as well but you're right majority are probably David Gold but I think David Gold is probably the only real genuine fan out of the three of them because obviously we've had him on the podcast and he's told this story a million times but yeah. like the growing up around the corner <laughs> and stuff so, <laughs> well. I mean, so he won't repeat it but he does have that affinity to West Ham whereas David Sullivan I think from knowledge was a Cardiff fan from knowledge mm. when he started he went to uni or he was born in Cardiff or something like that mm. um, and then so I think he probably was a West Ham fan. So he eventually, so he went to uni here, but I don't think he was like a lifelong West Ham fan. Um, but I think the biggest area where they've mucked up is that anyone that was going to take us from Upton Park was going to face a big uh, task to keep fans on side. It would have been interesting what to, if retrospectively or with hindsight you could almost go back in time and see what would happen if we stayed at Upton Park and then let Tottenham have the London Stadium. Because remember when we first yeah. went for that, they were heavily bidding for it. Yeah. That would have meant they didn't get the stadium that they've got now. They'd have been playing in the London Stadium. It'd be interesting to know, obviously it's impossible to do this, yeah. but it'd be interesting to know if we could do that, whether West Ham fans would think, why did we fucking pass up that opportunity mm. and let them have mm. that stadium? Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting. But I think, like you said, where they went wrong is they promised so much and delivered so little and the fact that we are still in a relegation battle which is what we were in at Upton Park mm. anyway um, so, yeah. like, see, see I look back at in inverted commas the lies I mean that that's the one term that gets attached to them every time we talk mm. about them it's on flags it's on banners it's on social media it's there verbally uh, it's sung in stadiums everything is, is surrounded by lies now I'm not sure if these are lies that they've given us. Maybe fake I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm more leaning towards just pure incompetence. Mm. Now, when it comes to the stadium plans, surely to God, they wouldn't be stupid enough to outright lie to everyone and say, this is how it's going to be. These are our closer seats are going to be. And then just be prepared to take the ongoing relentless flack that would then ensue when the fans saw that that actually isn't the case. Yeah. I think it's just absolute poor uh, due diligence on their front 
that I don't think they've actually studied the architectural plans and actually had the meetings and understood what it would look like before they went to market mm. with it. I, think I just th- think it, sometimes it's stupidity and common sense that they, they are now suffering for and paying for every day of their reign since doing that. Well, I think to back up your argument on that, you've got to think well, when we first moved into that stadium, the security was horrendous. Yeah, there was no oh, yeah, clear segregation nightmare. between away fans and home fans. Yeah. They had no family section. You no. weren't allowed to stand up. It was all just like... That not been thought of somehow no, exactly and, and how you can move into a brand new stadium like that which is like a defining moment in your club's history um, and not have prepared things like how is there going to be a family section how are the away fans going to be mm. segregated like you say it's pure incompetence like I think that's what it is multi-million paid people couldn't see that you needed to do that it's shocking it's the same with the PR you know how do how do you, you know, Karen Brady is on The Apprentice trying to tell people on public television how you market things and stuff when yeah. she can't market her <laughs> own business. Yeah. Um, like, and she's they've treated West Ham fans as customers as opposed to like like the blood of the fat of the mm. of the club. Um, I think also like they don't have, and I hate to say this because it sounds really horrible, and you know they don't make themselves likeable people mm. in the press the way they mm. speak about things and stuff um which is sad because they probably you know we've met we've met all three of them you yeah. know brady and meetings golden interview mm. and david sullivan and they've always been perfectly pleasant to us yeah, i mean i uh, think the most unlikable out of three is karen brady hands down but she I was all right it, to us so we well, met she her. was all right in terms of you I don't did know, eat all of her crisps yeah. <laughs> so, she, <laughs> so she probably had I did that actually. i had a crisp bulgy then did, i don't know yeah. what was wrong with me i'm no. so hungry but uh yeah no um do you know what i i just i mean she couldn't have been anything other than all right to us because it was you know a fans forum if you like around a table where you know, she'd probably been told that she had to attend this meeting where we all voiced our concerns and put forward ideas that would help the football club. I still think she has this very stony, cold-blooded persona yeah. that screams at you, I really don't want to be here with you mm-hmm. um, because you're beneath me. Yeah. She has that about her. She definitely has an arrogance about mm-hmm. her. Um, and, and I don't think she's a very likeable person at all. David Gold, and, I, and I'm more than happy to say this, I think he's very likeable. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. he's like a granddad type figure. Yeah, yeah. He's an he's a lovely warm man with some lovely warm stories. He's he's a gentleman, he's very likeable. And believe you me, that man loves West Ham. Yeah. That cannot come into question. It does on a daily basis. He absolutely loves West Ham. And I and I have felt sorry for him throughout this process, partly because of what I go back to saying what I just said. I, I honestly think that if he was if he was honest, which he would never be, I think a lot of these decisions are made over his head. They are, in some, I tell in, you that. Yeah, but in some in some scenarios, I don't even think he knows the decisions are taking place. Mate, without meaning to sound arrogant, and it does sound arrogant, but I'm saying it for the context of this podcast, I know more about what goes on at West Ham than he does, and that sounds absolutely ridiculous. And there'll be people sitting at home going, "What the? What an arrogant twat you are!" X for saying that. I I, I know from speaking to sources that are you know where I get my information from. Some of the people, I'm going to be, oh, can I be completely honest? Probably not, so I'm talking about other people, but people that do speak to David Gold will say, because I don't speak to them, I don't get my information from them, no. but people I do speak to that do speak to him will say, I asked David Gold, but as we all know, he doesn't really know what's going on 
that and they'll say that and, and yeah. that's you know that's yeah. sort of say and that, and that is actually true i think and like you say i think he is he is likable but they haven't they haven't made themselves like what's for people that don't know them if that makes sense and me and you know them to say that yeah, but from a yeah. public perspective yeah. and it's also yeah. by association yeah every picture you see of david gold is with sullivan and brady yeah. and also i think there's things that like on i don't know enough about to be able to raise this is a legitimate point on this podcast but when we sold upton park there was a company set up called the bowling phoenix maybe or something along those lines i can't remember the exact wording of it and it if you look at who the directors were and the of that company that suddenly appeared and bought the stadium and then sold the stadium on straight after for a profit mm. you look at who's involved in that and you see and it's them and it just doesn't seem right when you look at it and I don't know enough to argue anything about this but there's people out there that do and it's things like that we don't quite understand when for years we've been told we don't have money to sign players because the financial fair play now that's been completely forgotten about you know Man City blew that out the window when they didn't abide to it and then were allowed to carry on in the Champions League Chelsea have not stuck to it um, and now all of a sudden we don't have any money because of Covid like well why do we always have these excuses i know i know mm -hmm. they are quite simply looking to cover their losses aren't they Mm. that that's what we're talking about they don't want to spend any more money because they've obviously made a loss they're declaring a loss and and the businessmen in them are saying we want to balance these books Mm -hmm. um we're still in debt we're still as much debt now as we were when they bought yeah i know this was a pledge to get us out yeah but then again we're worth so much more as a club yeah 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 but then again that's another fouled aspect of their management yeah everything is flawed everything is flawed yeah um and it is you know look again I, i i go back to the argument where, you know, you see people on Twitter on a daily basis now raging and fuming that we're not spending money signing players. I actually don't think we need to sign that many more players. Mm. I've said it previously. I think we just need to get these boys playing. There's a couple of key areas that we need to address and we need to make signings for granted. But will I be kicking and screaming if we spend nothing? I won't be overly happy that we haven't signed a left-back, that we haven't maybe signed um, uh, maybe a winger, maybe a striker. But do you know what? The squad of players that we've got is a good one. And if we have to have another season with these boys, but performing a lot better than they did do last season, I could probably live with that. Mm-hmm. But it is... It, because let's be honest, if these boys reach their potential and they do give 110% week in, week out, and they do play at the very top of their game, and we're, we're on this podcast going towards the end of next season, sitting in seventh place, no one's going to be complaining about the signings we didn't make in the summer. Mm-hmm. But it's, are we going to see that from these players? Because honestly, the way I feel, the way as a group we go out and inconsistently perform, part of me thinks it doesn't matter who we're going to sign. Because if you're not getting those players ticking as a group, and tactically you're not bang on, formation-wise you don't know what your best is. I, I I don't know, you know, if you if you're not if you can't get it working with the players you've already got, better than sixteenth, mm. 
that fundamentally is the problem, not a lack of signings. Without meaning to put you on the spot here, and it will be putting you on the spot a little bit. So I can always cut it out. I was going to say, so edit it if you don't like it. <laughs> um, if Hammers United, which are obviously the new kind of protest group, I guess, approach you and say, look, you've got a, a reasonably big voice on the podcast. I mean, in terms of listeners rather than <laughs> volume. Um, like, uh, you know, you've, you're, you've got a bit of a presence in the West Ham community. We want you to promote what we're doing fully, like really support us, get behind it, would you? Well, I, I mean, I like to think I already do. Mm. I mean, I, I know obviously the seasons come to an end and in months prior to that, fans weren't going to games, which meant the marches stopped. Mm. But in the run-up to the marches, if you remember, on every podcast at the end of those podcasts, I was telling people where to be at what yeah. time yeah. because these demonstrations were taking place. Mm. We also came to the decision, me and you, that we would finish a pre-match event one hour earlier mm-hmm. yeah. than normal so that people could leave in enough time to attend those yeah, marches. And we invited them onto the podcast. We've invited them onto the podcast. They've I've been had, on the West Ham way YouTube channel. They have. I've had a number of conversations with Bubbles mm. over the phone. Mm. I can't really be much more supportive than I have been, to be Did honest you with you. change your profile to GSB out and... Change your profile picture. Well, yeah, but I don't think the profile picture is going to make any difference. I think what mm. what I think what made more of an impact was the the day that I kind of went from bald in to bald out, and I tweeted that, mm. and at the bottom hashtag GSB out, mm. um, and I, I gave my reasons for that. And I think because there's a, I've seen on Twitter a couple of people just saying, "Oh, they're jumping on the bandwagon like you and I of the board being out because that's what the common." Like consensus is fucking now. what a load of bollocks and that's what I was God, it, do you know what if we were that smart we would have done it a hell of a long time ago on the podcast yeah you, we've said this before do you know what it's it, it's the easiest thing in the world to create West Ham content and get everyone on side yeah you would instantly know the things that you would have to say mm-hmm. including and the hottest topic would be negative feelings towards the board and your respective actions uh, uh, partaking in trying to get them out mm. right we knew that back then when mm. we were putting a counter-argument forward to say, well, actually, maybe they just need a little bit more time. Yeah. But we were just being honest and we had the bollocks, unlike a lot of other people that do this sort of stuff, to be true to ourselves and to speak honestly and from the heart, knowing full well that we'd get a bit of a backlash from it. Yeah. And at that time, we did. Yeah. But now... We see things differently. And we see things differently because we have more evidence to see it differently. And and they've had that little bit of time that I felt they should have had. Exactly, because both you and And they still haven't achieved what they said they were going to achieve, so now it's time to move on. 100%. And both you and I said, like, we gave kind of timelines as to what they had to do by a certain time for our support to change and we both said about we didn't want David Moyes that said I'm actually trying to support the fella now but I did say if they Mm. appointed him again I couldn't defend that and they did it and then I and then I've also now got another window where we're trying to skimp around and sell before we buy so I've just got more evidence of it now Um, I've had long enough I've had a fair crack at the win 10 years 10 years that's a long time and we've not we've not really progressed as a club in no. 10 years you know we might have broken our transfer record numerous times but then that's inflation everyone's broken their transfer record who would have mm. thought like you know you get the likes of 
Um, I'm trying to think of an example in this window. I can't, I can't think of any transfers, but you look at like the likes of um, some of the lower clubs that get promoted. You know, Wolves, for example, a couple of years ago, they were spending big when they first got promoted. Mm. Um, you get people se- selling, uh, buying players for like first, like Balassi, for example, went from. Crystal Palace to Everton for over 30 million. I mean, what's he even doing? I don't even know who he plays for now. Mm. I think he went on loan to Greece or somewhere from last I heard that we've broken our transfer records. Yes, but you have to look in the grand scheme of things. Everyone's breaking their transfer record or was before COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, anyway, we can move on. Um, mm. Let's be a bit quicker now. Um, at Matt underscore Twitter. He's a good bloke, Matt. I speak to him in DMs. Um, should Antonio have got an England call up or did. Um, Great Gareth Southgate make the right choice. Well, I think, you know, if you're going on form, then you'd have to say yes. You know, if you're looking for a player that's in electric form, is scoring goals, contender for player of the month, and has consistently played at the highest level, and is experienced and can add a bit of experience to that squad, because credit, credit to Southgate, he is trying to build for the future, but sometimes injecting that little bit of experience in amongst youth is a good thing. You know, I know I'm going off topic a little bit, but he's incredibly charismatic, so to have someone like him around the dressing room certainly isn't a bad thing. And I just think, do you know what? If Antonio played for somebody, somebody else, if he played for Tottenham, then he probably would have got a call-up, in my opinion. Mm. But I think, you know, when you start talking about the national team, it's almost unfashionable to play for West Ham. Yeah. Declan Rice has sort of been an exception to the role, really, in that respect. But His age has helped him as well, in yeah, that respect. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean you, you could argue if Gareth Southgate is purely thinking about the future and he's looking to bed in young players for the long term, Mikel Antonio isn't a long-term mm. player for I think, I, I think, as, as much as I would have loved to have seen him in it, if I'm thinking without a West Ham, hat on and I'm thinking as England manager we've got so many exciting young prospects Mm. that we we don't need to place an uncapped 30 year old that's hit a Indian summer and got a bit of form I I, as much as I've said I think West Ham should play him I do when your options at England are obviously Harry Kane Greenwood who I think is phenomenal by the way I've never been more excited about a forward than Mm. him you know you've got Rashford um, you've got Abraham has got Brewster I don't think he's ever been called up looks like a really um, top player Um, I'm sure there's other English forwards I'm forgetting that are in the um, national squad as well Um, I just don't think you need to resort to someone that's at the sort of end Mm. of their Mm. career now it's like even someone like Danny Ings is a Scored yeah. more goals and you know yeah so I think I think times have changed now with England it's always kind of been the old guard really isn't it with England the same yeah. old names the big names that have underperformed yeah. historically as well this is what I like what Southgate's doing well, well, exactly and and that alludes to my point about you know thinking with my head over my heart whilst there would be pluses to have Antonio in the England set up especially when he's banging form because I don't mean there's a player like him when he's no. banging form uh, it, it it doesn't make sense in the mid to long term. No, I don't think it is. And you know, the, the next coming games of the um, Nations League or whatever it's called now. So they're they're mm. not even really. I know it is now competitive, but it's not like you're going into a World Cup if it, or whatever. If you're going into a World Cup, you may for those games take whoever's banging form at that point regardless of age but if mm. you're playing what is technically not much more than a friendly why why are you playing someone like him that's got no real long-term yeah. future you're better off giving the young players a few more games that are gonna 
going to bode them well going forward. I still stand by it. I think he'd be looked at if he played for Tottenham. Though. I agree. You've and got players like Eric Dyer in the national side. He's fucking dog shit, Eric I know. Dyer. But I look at the England national team, it, um, you know, and I, I and if you look at the under-21 squad, bearing in mind, um, you know, there's players in there that are very young. I mean, you've got that guy um, that's joined Borussia Dortmund, B- Billingham. Birmingham gave him a retired his squad number. Did you see that? No. Yeah, retired. He only played about forty times for them, but because he joined um, uh, a top club um, in you know Borussia Dortmund, they've retired his number in strange, tribute. Man. I know. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to sort of lo- load up the England squad now. Hell, they're um, easily pleased, aren't they? Well, that's what I know. That's what the whole sort of piss take was a bit. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't actually get the squad to load up now after all of this but um it's um basically you look through it and it is just young talented yeah. players yeah. like you know you've got jordan sancho you've got mm. um mason mount Declan rice you've got even Chilwell in that left back so you're 24 you know, you've got arnold alexander alexander arnold you got one basaka mm. there's a lot of yeah it's exciting young... future but i, I suppose with with mikhail what what i'm saying is he could potentially be quite a solid plan B. Yeah. You know when Andy Carroll went to, was it the World Cup or the Euros, the Euros of England? Yeah, 2012, uh, wasn't it? He's such a kind of throwback plan B when you don't necessarily know how to change a game that dramatically. Yeah. Oh, but I've got Andy Carroll on the bench. Maybe he can do something. Yeah. And then you change to, you know, whipping uh, crosses in the box, etc., etc. Yeah. With Mikel, he's such a powerhouse and so unpredictable that if things aren't going as planned just to throw a freak, really, like he is, onto the pitch with his athleticism, his pace, his power, his unpredictability, and at times, phenomenal finishing. At times, fucking atrocious finishing. But for a player like that, a wild card, just to give you a bit of a plan B, when he is in form, I don't think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, I don't think it's ridiculous. I just think if... If I'm like I said, trying to think from a non-West Ham. Of course, it doesn't fit the strategy of the no, current England setup. No, I understand exactly. that. Um, yeah, or form maybe, but long term, no. Um, at Dylan Ash for the podcast. Do you know how season ticket renewals are going? Are they down? Last I heard, I said it on the podcast last week they hadn't sold fifty percent of the amount they had for sale. So whether that's um change or not in the last week I don't know but I don't think they're going that well do you think that's more the current environment though rather than a dissatisfaction help. towards West Ham yeah I don't think that helps I think it's probably a combination of the two but yeah, I would say probably the current environment is the main reason because no one knows what it's going to look like no one knows yeah. it's, gonna, it's not really going to be the same experience certainly for the short term mm. um, so yeah I think that's probably why but I reckon there is some discontent within that figure uh, as well um, at Super Carlos T great show gents saw a tweet this week that we have never sold anyone for more than 25 million do you see any way we can progress under this ownership without becoming a selling club and obviously finding a way to reinvest wisely which I appreciate is unlikely see I obviously knew this question was going to be next I chose it and I was thinking about it i just think in recent years when the market has gone like it has we haven't ever sold a player that was at the peak of their career um that didn't have baggage so for example if we sold Declan Rice we would get over 25 million for Declan yeah, Rice yeah. Um, the only players that we've sold that would have come anywhere near there were Pi A who obviously we probably should have got more money for but 
was refusing to play for us yeah. and an outer bitch who was basically refusing to play for <laughs> us so we had no real choice if we'd sold Lanzini in 2017 on the back of a 2016 season we may have got more than mm. 25 million for him um, if we'd sold if we sell Diup now we'll probably get more than 25 mm. million I just don't think we've ever sold our players at the peak of where their value we've either kept onto them like Lanzini and they've declined or we've yeah. had to sell them because we had no choice yeah and I think you know the sad reality of it is because we're West Ham if there is a player at his peak, he typically isn't going to be at West Ham at that time. No. West Ham being West Ham will sign that player when he's 30, 31, 32. Or we'll have him as a starlet as a kid and then he'll go on to bigger and better things yeah. and then treble his value overnight when he signs for someone else. Yeah. That's the problem that we've got. Yeah. I, again, it comes down to recruitment. It comes yeah. down to that scouting network finding the next Mares for 500 grand, the next Kante for 750 grand yeah. and turning them into 30, 40, 50 million pound players. Yeah. But yeah. we haven't got a chance of achieving that when we don't have one fucking scout at the football no, club. No, exactly. Um, right, this is at Josh Blackburn Blackman, sorry, 93. Hi, X and Dave. After what we all know about what's happened since the stadium move, would you rather have stayed at Upton Park but be in the championship or continue in the fishbowl fighting relegation? Do you know what? I think the the decider in that for me is, is the final comment in the question, fighting relegation. Because realistically, if we was to play in the championship... And being Upton Park, we'd still be going to Upton Park week after week. The away days would be amazing. And I don't know. If we stay in the Premier League for the rest of my life, I'm not sure I'm ever going to see West Ham win a trophy. So actually, what difference really does it make what division we're in? I know this sounds ridiculous, no, but it's, it's only so. answering that question. Yeah. I know in real terms, you get better players and you get to see us on match a day, all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. But if you're if you're not chasing trophies and you're not having a crack at competitions and you're not good enough and you're not performing at a level where you can actually achieve something in the game, we might as well be in League Fucking Two and stay in Upton Park. Mm-hmm. Because when I die and we've won fuck all, what are the seasons I'm going to remember? I'll remember uh, a couple of fantastic seasons in the late 90s where we won fuck all. I'll remember the final season at the bowling, which was incredible. I'll take that to my grave with me, where we won fuck all. <laughs> but ultimately, putting a few nice seasons aside in the memory bank, you remember football for the things you won, I think. Ultimately, that's that's the ultimate prize. Yeah, the prize. finals are the better, some yeah. of the best moments. Of yeah, but supporting. I mean, yeah, of course, there's a playoff final, etc. But I'm talking really what I would like to see West Ham win is an FA Cup or a League Cup. We're never going to win the league, I don't think. No. But one of those, a major trophy, a major, major trophy. The playoff final isn't a major trophy, is no, it? No, but what I'm saying in that respect is that that was a great moment and that was in the championship. Yeah, of course. So yeah, yeah no, no, you're right. So you're, you're, you're supporting my yes, argument. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I would. Yes, I'd much rather have Upton Park. And on the realization that if I was to go with the option of staying where we are, what is it for? Mm. I think that's the point I'm making. Mm. What am I getting 
by choosing the option of staying at the London Stadium. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Again, I think I would rather stay at Upton Park as well. When we moved, like most fans, I was very pro the move. It was going to take us on to the next level. It's going to be an amazing stadium. Yeah, We're going same, to yeah. get a much better capacity. I wrote articles for various outlets saying how pro the move I was. Can't wait, blah, 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 blah. With hindsight, having experienced it for four or five years now, I don't enjoy it. It takes me ages to get to the stadium through the security checks. You go by train, you've got a long walk. If you go by taxi, you can't get near the stadium unless you luckily go with Mark Ward and can get into the, the car park <laughs> if he, when, when I go with him. Um, I um, You can... Um, I don't enjoy my view as much now. I don't enjoy the fact I can't get to a toilet or a food, even though there are more food outlets because I'm in the Billy Bond stand. Everyone, yeah. there's nothing in the upper tier, so everyone always comes down and you can't, it takes ages to get anything. I hate the long walk back out the stadium with all the stop go, stop go signs. Mm. Um, I don't like, I don't think it's as good as atmosphere. Uh, lights games under the games under the lights are not as magical as they were at Upton Park. Obviously, it doesn't have the history. Um, Otherwise, so, okay. Though. Yeah. So I think I think I would stay in the championship. <laughs> and you know what? In some ways, the championship's more exciting mm. because it's more of a level playing field. You never get because obviously they get promoted, but you never get one team dominate the league like you mm. do in the Premier League. Since we've been. Um, alive you know I, I guess I supported football I first started football just before the Premier League years the first league title I can remember is Arsenal winning it in the last minute at Anfield that's the first one I can remember but if you take the Premier League era which is what most of our life is really yeah. from supporting properly as fans Manchester United dominated the 90s and you had a bit of Arsenal and Chelsea in the early sort of 2000s yeah. then you kind of had Man United Man City and then you kind of with Man City for, and Chelsea for the recent bits until Freak won from Leicester and now Liverpool mm. it's only a few teams that are ever in the running for anything mm. you know if you were to look what the top four in the Premier League has been um for the last 25 years it would probably have maybe like seven or eight teams that have ever been in that top four you know you, you have Man United Man City Liverpool Arsenal Tottenham Chelsea Leicester once I think Everton did it once didn't they um you'd have Blackburn in the early 90s um Leeds towards the end but there, mm. there's very few teams whereas the championship is has to be won by a different team every year so it all away makes it more exciting mm. and the away days yeah the, the, the clubs have more unique identity then so. yeah oh I agree yeah so yeah. I think yeah but, but, but that's it and I mean I go back to to what I said if you were to take the option of staying in the Premier League over being at Upton Park what are you getting as a fan in return yeah. by staying in the Premier League yeah. you're not seeing your club win any trophies we're in a relegation scrap, so my, my counter-argument would have been, well, you're going to attract better players and be better entertained. Fuck me, how many times realistically have we been entertained in comparison to the... Yeah, exactly. The, when you look at the 38 games that are played over a season, collectively, in the four seasons that we've been there, four or five, how many of those games have we said, God, I've been really entertained by that, yeah, I loved exactly. it. Today I loved being a West Ham fan. 
No. And it's sad because at times we've tried to defend the stadium and say it's not that bad, but it's but gets buzzing and stuff. Yeah. It just doesn't get buzzing. Well, that's it? the problem. Like, that is very the problem. Often. And we have to create our own history in that stadium. But maybe, we're just not doing it. No, maybe in 10 years' time it might be different. Who knows? Mm. Or different owners. But um, at Jack Gambert, Gambert. Bardella, we always hear Dave Walker saying how we have a top eight team on paper and a lot of people agree with him. Do you think there's a correlation between our poor training facilities and our failure to live up to our potential? Yeah, uh, possibly. Possibly. I think training facilities, culture at the club. I think there's too many players that are taking a piss out of West Ham, to be honest with you. They know they're onto a good thing. They're creaming the wages, and I think it makes them complacent. I don't think the manager is the right man to take us forward. I don't think he has, um, I don't know, the the control and the respect from the players that he should do. Uh, I think it's a whole collective of things, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think not, there isn't one single answer to it. No, again, I think I agree with you. Sorry to sound a bit of your parrot today, but I'm not going to argue with you for the sake of arguing with you today. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. I think whilst it would be a factor, I don't think it can be the only factor. And mm. and also, you know, as long as you've got a pitch with a football and a coach that can come up with good tactics and good set pieces and stuff. Do you really need world-class facilities, really? I mean, I know it gives mm. teams an advantage, but you, you can still compete. That's why... Well, I don't know the ins and outs of Leicester's facilities, no. but they won the Premier League. Exactly, and you can still get underdogs knocking big teams out of FA Cups. Their yeah. facilities yeah, are completely exactly. different. Yeah. Um, so whilst, yes, long-term, it probably does make a difference, because obviously, particularly in terms of injuries and stuff, better mm. training facilities probably mean lesser injuries. Mm. Um, I think it's a whole host of things and I think probably there are other factors like what you said in terms of the culture of the club that are probably slightly more dominant maybe um, at Almo underscore nine what's the chances of Chelsea actually putting in a bid for Rice great show as always um, I think the chances are strong I think they need to sh- they want to concentrate on some of their signings they've got Chilwell done now they've got Saar done I think Silver's going to sign they want a new keeper they're desperate for a new keeper um, they um, will probably try and sell Kante maybe and Jorginho and if they do I expect a bid would come in for Rice towards the end of the window that's my mm. my hunch or whatever the phrase I've is I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be one of them deadline day specials yeah. where it's like 11.59 or 10.59 or whatever a cut-off point is, and you see Declan fucking rushing out of somewhere and jumping in a fucking blacked-out car on his way to West London. Driven by Baz. Yeah, 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 (laughs) driven by Baz. And then that's it, he's signed, and in true West Ham fashion, we've done fuck all to replace him before the window shuts. I can just see that happening, can you? Yeah, that's the scenario I kind of imagined as well. And, Mm. you know... If that bid comes in, we do need to make sure we get a lot of money for him because we're not going to be able to replace him. But surely we must be putting together some sort of contingency plan for Declan. The board board are saying they won't sell him unless it's astronomical money. We haven't had a bid from Chelsea despite journalists trying to break that exclusive. We haven't. So at the moment, there's no 100% evidence Chelsea will bid for him. I just know how much Frank Lampard rates him um, and how 
important a player he is in terms of what he could bring that Chelsea want. They haven't got enough leaders. He wants a leader. They're trying to build a kind of young, talented core there. He would fit that. He's a Chelsea fan. Um, he's obviously best one of his best mates plays for them. Um, he's, he's people like his idols, like John Terry, Frank Lampard, Drogba, people like that still are obviously heavily affiliated with the club. Mm. Um, I think if the offer came in for Declan and West Ham accepted it, um, I don't think he could turn them down, personally. As no. much as I hate to say that, if West Ham accepted it, they're basically saying they kind of want you to go. Mm. Um, and also, it's the club you've supported still your life. West Ham are a shambles at the moment let's be honest they're not going to win anything with West Ham you got a chance of playing in the Champions League going for Premier League titles keeping your England career going playing with your mates that you grew up with playing for the club that all of your family supports if he left West Ham for Chelsea as much as I would hate it you couldn't begrudge him that. No, as long as he handled the move in the he right will, way. He will, he will. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, he's know. clever enough too, yeah. and he will. He'll handle it the right way, mm. and it'll be a sad time for us all, but you couldn't blame him. You really no. couldn't. But my point is, you know, I, I, I too think a Chelsea bid's inevitable. Mm. And when I hear your section, I very rarely hear about central midfield targets yeah. as a potential replacement should the worst happen with Declan. Yeah. So that tells me that we're not actually looking at a contingency plan for mm. Declan, which worries me because my scenario is probably going to come true. It'll be a deadline day signing for Chelsea and we've got nothing even well, close. Of their players though in that deal. But... Yeah, but again, you look at the sort of players that we can have in return. You're looking at, you know, again, the sort of names that have been touted previously when we've had this conversation, granted it's me and you having a conversation, aren't players of a similar position as a similar player no I mean we're I, talking about Ross Barkley's and Batshuayi's and fucking people like that Batshuayi no I don't think but yeah Ross Barkley could be one I think they might even I don't know even know whether he's still I think he does Ampadu could be someone oh Loftus, fucking great Loftus-Cheek maybe yeah, again he's know. more of an attacking player and he Loftus-Cheek yeah, I think they rate him that, you well. know so I mean what plans are we putting in place to replace the inevitable sow of Declan Rice. Because yeah. we have to have some sort of plan in place. Yeah. This should be really on the priority list because it's going to happen. We all know it. We all know it's going to happen. He will leave. He this, will. He might not this window. Well, if it, I mean, I'll, I'll be shocked if he doesn't. But if he doesn't this window, it'll be next week. It's inevitable, isn't it? We can't kid ourselves. So, you know, that would be on my list of priorities. Yeah. If Declan goes... Right, who are we going to have in, in replace? Here are my top three targets. Bang. Maybe they have got targets, but maybe they're just trying to focus on the defence at the moment because Rice still is a West Ham Maybe, player, yeah. Maybe. I hope I they know. have. I hope they have as well. Right, okay. That is the end of the show. So as always, thanks for taking the time to give us your questions. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, enjoy your nice long bank holiday weekend. Be lucky. And until next week, come on you irons. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Heard my little sis is buying a car. 
You'll need my secret guide. Gross, no way. I already used Capital One Auto Navigator. I bet your credit score wasn't impacted at all, so ha. I got my real rate and monthly payment, had an amazing test drive at the dealership, and made the purchase. Taking the easy way out. That's so you. Still not getting it. That's so you. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash Autonavigator. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.